welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. So, you want to start a nonprofit? <laughs> okay, you've established your why, who, and part of your what. Congratulations. Now, I understand that I have given you a lot of information in a short amount of time, and it may be overwhelming, but you have successfully identified your purpose and reason for being here. You are the ideal candidate to make a positive impact on your community and the world by supporting your chosen group of people. And that, my friend, is commendable. As you go through this process, it is important to give yourself grace and practice radical self-care. By intentionally incorporating these practices into your life while working with your board, you will be establishing the foundation for the type of organization you want to run. And that is amazing. Remember to prioritize your well-being as you work towards your goals. Because listen, if you hire LC Consulting and Coaching to help you through this process, we will be holding you accountable to these things. Because see, we resist burnout over here and we promote radical self-care over here. Because you cannot be good to your chosen people if you are not good to your chosen self. So. Last week, we started with the what. We talked about boards and your bylaws and your articles of incorporation. You've gotten through all of that. Now, grab your notebook because now you have to apply for your EIN number. And it's important for your nonprofit organization to apply for your federal employee identification number, which is the EIN number, even if you do not have any employees. So even if you're solely working on volunteers, you still need to use this because the IRS uses this number to track reports and your form 1023 tax exempt application. So, you know, think of your EIN number as your social security number for your business, you know. So after you've done that, after your bylaws, after your articles of incorporation, your board is in place, it's time, y'all. It's time to apply for your tax-exempt status. To qualify for tax-exempt status under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code in the United States, you need to file an application with the IRS. Ain't no way to get around it. IRS is owned by, you know, that uncle we ain't never, ne- never met. So all of us related. Uncle Sam? Yep, him. So to do this, you must complete either Form 1023 or Form 1023-EZ and provide detailed information about your organization's finances and operations. Now, if your organization's gross receipts are $50,000 or less and your total assets are $250,000 or less annually, you may be able to use the 1023-EZ form. This is where it's beneficial. That's why you got to keep all your receipts, anything you spend to help establish the organization. 
Okay. In the state of North Carolina, once you have received tax exempt status, make sure to apply for the North Carolina Department of Revenue for exemption from state corporate income tax and franchise tax. If your organization will have employees who will receive payment, you must obtain state withholding identification number and begin withholding taxes as soon as you start paying your employees. I know, stick with me. You can do this because see, the bigger goal is that you are getting ready to do something big for your community. And once you get through this, look, we got you. Don't get discouraged. You must obtain workers' compensation insurance if you have three or more full-time or part-time employees, including corporate officers, even if they are unpaid board members, okay? If your business is in North Carolina, has four or more full-time or part-time employees working a total of 20 weeks or more in a calendar year, you are required to file for unemployment taxes. I know it's a lot, but you better make sure you're doing it because if not, that means you are functioning in an illegal and unethical way. If you plan to raise $25,000 or more in one calendar year in the state of North Carolina, you must apply for a charitable solicitation license through the Solicitation Licensing Branch of the North Carolina Department of Secretary of State. Now, if you expect to receive less than that amount, you still need to apply for an exemption from this license. So don't think because you're not, you don't have to do anything. You still have to do something. This license is even more crucial when you start to apply for state and federal funding. And you have to do this every year. You have to do this license every year. Next, if your nonprofit organization collects sale tax on items sold, yes, that's possible. I'll give you an example in a second. It is required to register with the Department of Revenue in your state and obtain a certificate of registration. And then you will need to file the E-500 and pay taxes and that's due either on a quarterly or monthly basis. So for example, where I am executive director, we have a thrift store. It's called The Clothesline and it has been rated the number one resale shop for the past five years. Boop, boop. That's in Wilson where it is. So, (laughs) but anyway, it is a store All of the revenue for that store comes back into the organization and we are able to do the work that we do. So it pays for groceries and relocation and all kinds of stuff for our clients. But it's a thrift store. So we have to do this with the state of North Carolina. So it's important that you maintain this. You need to set up sound financial systems. This also includes a really good CPA, Certified Public Accountant. It is crucial to establish transparent and compliant accounting and financial management systems that track all kinds of income, expenses, and donations, both monetary and in-kind. Because even though it's in-kind, it's still a dollar amount. Anytime you get an in-kind donation, sometimes people won't want it, then sometimes people will. 
you give them a receipt and they can write it off on their taxes. Most of the time, they won't get a lot if the donation is a very small amount. This financial system, it's so important for your nonprofit organization. You know, for example, proper handling of checks and balances. Like the same person who cuts checks for your organization should not also sign checks for your organization. There always must be two signatures on a check. Who are the backup check signers? So those kinds of things. And you might be saying to yourself, oh, that's mundane. It's not mundane because all of this has to be written out in your quality control, in your internal control, in your procurement. All of this must be written out. Next, find a good insurance company to work with. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Find a good insurance company to work with. No matter what kind of nonprofit organization you are running, you will be required to have general liability insurance and directors and officers insurance. The latter refers to protection for your board of directors and yourself in case any board member decides to go rogue or something and not act in the best interest of the organization. It is important to find a reliable insurance company that can offer you a comprehensive package that includes general liability insurance, directors and officers insurance, and maybe even work in a workers' compensation coverage also. Now, it is not going to be cheap, but it is a must. It protects you and your organization and all of its assets. It is a must. It is a must. It is a must. I have insurance in my personal business and I also have insurance at the organization where I'm at. And we have insurance for everything, for our safe house, for our main offices, for our thrift store. We have insurance that covers our board. It is important that you have insurance. Next is develop fundraising strategies. To secure funds for your organization, consider exploring different options such as applying for grants, reaching out for donations, establishing partnerships, and organizing events. It is important to evaluate each avenue carefully to determine which will be most effective and sustainable for your organization. Also think about it. Will you write your grants? Will you do a capital campaign? How will you diversify your funding streams? I know I said this a couple episodes ago. You should not be an organization that relies solely on state or federal funds. You should have a diverse funding stream coming in your organization. So I wouldn't even say primarily of your funding should be state and federal funds. I think that is detrimental for your organization. If that is how you have to function, by all means, do your thing. But it is not advisable. Now, for your win. So let's just picture it. You have officially received your tax-exempt status. You are officially a 501c3 organization. You've gotten that paperwork in the mail, and you are feeling amazing. Take time to celebrate this significant accomplishment. You know, congratulations. We're going to speak that thing into existence right now. Congratulations. You got that 501c3 status on the first try. Congratulations to you. You are officially a nonprofit organization. 
it's also time to really get going because you are officially a nonprofit organization. So again, congrats. If you are thinking about applying for state and federal funds, you need to establish an account with the Systems for Award Management, that's SAM.gov, because they are going to ask questions that require information from your tax-exempt information. So once you've established your tax-exempt status and you plan to apply for these grants, you have to create account from there because they are going to create a series of unique identifying numbers that grants often require you submit on your grant applications in order for you to apply for funding. And when you submit your grant applications, they use this as a verification way that you are in good standing with the government. So, and you have to do this, you have to quote unquote recertify with SAM.gov every year. Don't do it on the anniversary. Do it at least a month or two before. So this was a quick episode today, y'all, because I know that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, right? The good news is once you get the initial done, it's just a matter of staying in compliance, being aware when laws change that could impact your operations, and always, always, always functioning in an ethical manner. Remember, when you go into doing things the right way, you cannot fail. If you'd like some hands-on support during this process, all of my information is in the show notes, or you can find me on IG because that's my jam, where I like to spread positivity, love, and light because human service work, social work, and nonprofit work, it is some hard work to do. So until next week, where we will wrap up our series, So You Want to Start a Nonprofit? Really? (laughs) So remember, radical self-care is health care and kindness is free. So do me a favor. Be kind to yourself first, then be kind to somebody else. I love you so much for listening. Bye.